when to pray. When, we are talking about time. What is the right time to pray? When I was in high school, in my teenage, I used to think that every boy or girl who was kind of smart would become successful in life. That I was to think that those kids who did very well in math would own businesses in town in the future. I used to think that intelligent people would have everything sorted out for them in life. I used to think that smart people have got it all together. Because that's how it felt in school. If your marks are not very good in English and in math, you feel like you are nothing. And you want to be among those who do well. Later, I realized that most smart people are crazy. They are even terrible at relationships and horrible at emotional intelligence. I just discovered that people who make it in life are rather wise and not necessarily smart. Wisdom has nothing to do with your IQ. I've learned that fools waste their time. Smart people use their time, but wise people invest their time. So after I looked at my colleagues and the people I went together to, or together to school with, I realized that some of them were fools, some of them were smart, and others were wise. What made the difference between those three categories of people is that fools wasted their time. Smart people used their time. They used it. They utilized it. But those who are wise, which are few, they invest their time. They invest their time. So because we are talking about when to pray, the concept of, of time will be essential to us today. I would like you to pay attention to this. We cannot address the adverb when without considering the use of time. When addresses time. Time. We are talking about time today. So what is your relationship with time? Are you a fool? Are you smart or wise when it comes to the use of time? And I'm not calling anyone fool, please, just so that you don't go home and tell people, pastor today, you know, no, 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 I did not call you fool. I know some of you have been offended. Don't be offended. I'm just talking about those people. The others, not you. You know, you are fine. You know? And others are smart. Yeah, maybe you may be among them. And wise, you know? Maybe that's you. But I'm not going to determine where you fit. I'll just describe how fools act. And you will see if you fall under that. Essential work, part four. When to pray. So let's talk about the value of time. The value of time. Time is one of the greatest gifts that God has given to humanity. Because God is good, he gave the same amount of hours in a day to everybody. Regardless of gender, regardless of race or family of origin, God gave to all of us 24 hours in a day. However, time is a very perishable commodity. It vanishes quickly. Each person, listen to this, 
Each person meets each second, each minute, hour, and day twice. We meet each second, each minute, each hour, and each day twice. You meet it the first time when it comes upon you. Like this second you're just breathing now. That's the time that it comes upon you. And you will encounter it the second time at the judgment seat of Christ to give account for that second, for that minute, for that hour and day. The time you experience it and the time it will come after you. The time you go after it and the time it comes after you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The Holman version says, whether good or worthless. Which means, it doesn't matter if you're just sitting on your couch watching TV, you will give account. For that time. It doesn't matter if you are at work working hard, you will give account. Or it doesn't matter if you are at church listening to the sermon, you will give account. It doesn't matter what you are doing. Good or bad, you will still give account to each time you are spending in your life. It is important to remember this because without knowing the value of time, we abuse it. We misuse it. Every second, every minute, every hour or day that is lost is lost forever. So every minute that you don't utilize, you don't use well, it is gone and will be gone forever. Some people waste their time, others use their time, and others invest their time. Fools waste it, smart people use it, but wise people invest it. If you waste 15 minutes for every hour you live, you will waste 25 years of your life if you live up to 100 years. 25 will be gone forever. And let's add the eight hours that you sleep by God's grace every day. So, Put that together, you will be wasting something around 60 hours of your life. Not wasting because you have been sleeping for 30 and then you use, you waste 25. 55 hours of your life, you will be just doing nothing. You remain with 45. That's the time for you to give to God, give to your family, give to yourself, give to everything else, work. 45, hours in, 45 years in 100 years while you spent 25, you wasted 25. If you just take 15 out of every hour, and this is the minimum, how much time we waste in a day? There are different ways to waste your time. For example, some people spend extended times in entertainment, and I'm not saying entertainment is wrong. Extended Entertainment time is wrong. There must be a time for entertainment. Your brain needs it. Your family needs it. But the more you extend that time, you begin to waste it. Unnecessary argument is a waste of time. Gossip is a waste of time. 
Extended time on social media is the waste of time. Not planning in advance is waste of time. Planning but not following the plan is the waste of time. Ample time playing video games. Can someone say amen? amen. Ample time on video games is a waste of time. All parents say amen. amen. Mm. <laughs> I know the boys are not saying amen. No problem, no problem. Complaining is a waste of time. I hate it when people come to complain. I'm not against talking about issues. But complaining is a waste of time. If you are talking about something you have nothing to do about and you can't do anything about it, then you are wasting your time. If you are talking to people about something they have nothing to do about and they can't do nothing about it, you are wasting their time. Procrastinating is a waste of time. Getting distracted is a waste of time. Keeping relationships that don't add value is a waste of time. And we can go on and on and on to give you ways that you waste your time. Some people use their time. This is what they do. They don't waste it. They use it. They work hard. They overload their to-do list. They stick to plans. So those are most reasonable people. They use their time. Work hard. Make sure they are always at work. They take double shifts. Make sure they get paid double. They work in the weekend. Work Saturday, work Sunday. Double pay. Very busy people. Work, 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 work. Using their time. Wise people don't use it. They invest it. To invest your time is to spend it now with the potential of an eternal reward. You are spending it now, but you know in eternity it will be productive. Those who invest their time with God in prayer receive God's direction daily and live to glorify God every day. They don't just live to work hard. They live to work right. They do the right thing at the right time. Investing your time is not about doing good things. It's about doing the right things. Most reasonable people are wasting their time. They are living their lives for the now. For this life. Investing one's life is living for eternity. Someone said, the key is not to prioritize your schedule, but to schedule your priority. Smart people prioritize their schedules. Wise people schedule their priorities. They know what, is, what matters to life and then they prioritize those priorities in a schedule. They don't just plan things. You can plan waste of time, you know. You can have a very good agenda. I will go to Josephine's house. And then I will go to Mitchell's house. And then I will go to Ray's house. And then I will go to Christelle's house. To do what? To gossip. You have a schedule. But it's a schedule about wasting time. And then I will watch two series on Netflix. And then I will. And then I will. You can have a schedule about things. But having a schedule doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. 
Whatever comes first in your life, in your priority is what you worship. Those who prioritize God schedule time with him. If you worship God truly, you will schedule your time with God. So let's see how Jesus spent his time. Jesus, our supreme example. For Jesus, praying was not a task. He prayed before he did things. He prayed while he was doing them, and he prayed for what he had done. Jesus' mission was not only to die for us, no. Jesus came also to set an example for us, for his followers. He lived to set a supreme example for us. We have established already that prayer is communion, communication, and confidence in God. Jesus maintained communion with God through prayer. Prayer was his very life. Jesus lived to do the will of the Father. And that he received that will of God and executed that will of God daily through prayer. Followers of Jesus must live to do the Father's will, which is received and executed primarily through prayer. Let's see how Jesus prayed before doing things. Before doing things. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Very early in the morning while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to the deserted place. And he was praying there. When? Early in the morning. Jesus prayed. He prioritized prayer before any activity of the day. He met with God before meeting with people. And he talked and listened to God before talking and listening to any human being. Jesus chose the time when most people are still enjoying their sleep to pray. He decided to deprive himself of the best sleep to receive God's opinion before hearing any human's opinion. Some of us, we listen to the news before we listen to God. Some of us, we listen to what politicians are saying before we listen to what God is saying. We listen to what the community is saying on social media before we listen to what God is saying and we, we claim to be confused. We are confused because we don't have God's perspective. What is God saying? We fill our mind with what the world is saying. And we take side. And the question is, what is God saying? We fill our mind with opinions and opinions and then a new one will come. And some people are experts, experts to disturb you on social media. They know how to frame it. When you read it, ah! The world is finishing in two days. If we don't all do this, if all we do this in two days, I'm telling you, nothing will be around. People's opinion has filled our mind because we spent our first time of the day listening to people instead of listening to God's opinion. He talked to God about people before talking to people about God. That was Jesus' plan. In those early mornings, Jesus prayed. He sought to know the will of the Father so that he might act accordingly. That's why he said in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus then replied, 
I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. He sees the father doing, then he does. The father doesn't do, he doesn't do. Jesus consulted the father and agreed with the father concerning what the father is doing in heaven before bringing the same plan to earth. Jesus' daily prayer consisted of downloading the father's plan. No wonder he taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what mattered to Jesus. What is happening in heaven that I should bring to earth? Every Christian must live to replicate heaven to earth. We must seek God, know what he's doing in heaven, and then execute it on earth. Our mandate is not to do what is good, but what is godly. Don't just be satisfied by doing what you think is good. Seek what is godly. God will not anoint anything that is acceptable. Because it's acceptable, it's not acceptable to God. Because it's popular, it's not popular to God. God will anoint things that are only godly. He does not anoint good, he anoints godly. For Jesus, prayer was the initial activity of the day. It was as if all else would collapse if he did not meet with God in the morning. Prioritize prayer. But prayer was not something Jesus did in the morning. Jesus also prayed after doing everything. After he did everything. Luke chapter 5 verse 12 to 16. While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him saying, I'm willing be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses prescribed to your cleansing as a testimony to, to them. But the news about him spread even more. A large, a large crowd would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Yet, yet, he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. We've seen that Jesus prayed early in the morning before any other activity. In the passage above, we see Jesus performing a miracle. Okay. And more opportunities were open. More sick people came. His fame was increased. And more people needed him. He was needed. He became powerful. He became, he became, he became famous. But instead of jumping onto the opportunity and healing more and listening more to people and caring more, isn't, isn't it? It's a good thing to do. No. He withdrew himself in the wilderness for prayer. Jesus needed to go before the Father to give the account of the day. He knew his limit. 
He knew, I'm done for the day. I need to go to see the father and give him the report of the day. Most people consider every opportunity as God's open door. No. Every opportunity is not God's open door. Jesus was willing to lose some fame, make some enemies, or disappoint others, but not miss his prayer time. Can I say that again? He was ready to make some enemies. Why? Just imagine if you were in the crowd when Jesus has healed some people and you come with your sickness and he says, no, I'm done. If you were in the crowd, you will judge him. That pastor is arrogant. That pastor doesn't care for people. No, Jesus didn't care. What you will say about him, it was time for prayer. It doesn't matter if the need was pressured. It doesn't mean that people were suffering or not. He knew his limits. He knew it's time to go and pray. Jesus was accountable to the Father. He took reporting his day seriously. He went to pray while a great multitude was waiting for him. God's opinion was more important to him than the opinion of the public. It was crucial to Jesus to pray after doing things. He needed to go back and give glory to God, to the Father. He needed to evaluate the day with the Father. Most Christians would say, I prayed in the morning. Why should I again pray in the evening? I was at church today. Pastor Mike prayed for us. I can just go to bed. He started the day in prayer and ended it in prayer to set an example for us. The morning prayer discussed the day with God for guidance. The evening prayer discussed the day with God for evaluation and thanksgiving. The Lord Jesus must have been tired by the time he healed the leper. Instead of rushing to bed, he ran to pray. Jesus prayed even when he was tired. Tiredness, tiredness was never an excuse for him. Busyness was never an excuse for him. Do you know why you are busy? Because you prioritize busy. Oh. Every time someone says, I can't pray because I have too much work, I will tell them, you have too much work because you prioritize work. It's about priority. If you don't have time for me, I'm not your priority. Simple. It's simple. We don't have time for God because we don't prioritize him. Simple. We can give ourselves excuses, but it's about priorities in life, my friend. Whatever you prioritize, you find time for. Those who want to move heaven to earth, those who want to seek God's kingdom, if you want to see it established on earth, in your life, in your marriage, in your family, those who are hungry for God's presence will not give excuses. They won't miss prayer because of tiredness or busyness. Busyness. Their priorities reflect their maturity because your priorities reflect your maturity. Okay. Jesus also prayed before making decisions. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, during those days he went out to the mountain to pray and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. 
he also named them apostles. Jesus had attracted a crowd. He had a big crowd around him. He had a great crowd of disciples from which he needed only 12 apostles, 12 leaders. His choice needed to be precise because the future of the whole mission depended on the decisions and actions of these 12 people. He could not afford to make mistakes. He did not rely on his feelings. He did not depend on their appearance, education, or family of origin. He did not depend on what seemed right or good in his eyes. He went to the mountain to pray. We don't know what time he started. But all we know is that he spent the whole night praying. One can only assume that he took time to pray and present each person before God and waited to hear God's opinion. We don't know what happened there. But all we know is that the issue of selecting 12 disciples was so profound that it cost him the whole night praying. And when the morning came, Jesus was ready with 12 names, including the strategic name of Judah Iscariot. Was among the 12 he received on the mountain. The guy who would betray him later. Most leaders wouldn't pick Judah. If I knew someone will betray me, if I knew you are a leader in the church today, and in two years will be talking evil about me, I begin to look at you differently. Hmm. What, what prayer can I pray for that person? Or against that person? That's human beings. But look at how strategic it was. Judas was needed among the 12 to fulfill the plan of God. And Jesus received that name. Put Judah there. Put Judah. God told him. I wasn't there. Put his name there. Among the 12. If we only pick 12 faithful, no one will betray you. You won't die. Let's find someone crazy. Someone who thinks he's smart, but not wise. Let's put him among them. They found a smart person. Judas. But Jesus knew with Judah on the team, the will of God will be fulfilled. How did he receive that plan? Prayer. We must discuss every significant decision with God in prayer. Do you know Moses spent 80 days without eating or drinking anything to receive the Ten Commandments? He spent the first 40 days at the mountain alone in prayer. God did not he give him the, 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 the Ten Commandments the first day, or third, or tenth, or twentieth. On the 40th day, God gave him the first commandment. He came down, and he saw the people worshipping idols. He was so angry, he broke it. And God said, oh, you've just broke it. Go back. Very disappointed. The man went back to the mountain. And maybe you would think that God will say, because you have spent 40 days, I will give you the next 10 commandments in three days. No. God waited for another 40 to give him another, tab another tablet of Ten Commandments. Sometimes we rush in decisions. 
And we think God should work with our schedule. If God doesn't appear in March, I'm done. If God doesn't answer this to me in February, I move on with my life. I'm waiting just for December. God, I've given you a date. 31st of December, you don't act out. Okay, do it, go. Go and do it. You will face it one day. Just go and do it. Sometimes we need to wait and wait and wait until we hear clearly from God before we make a move. It's okay. I prefer to wait for 10 years and then receive a strategy that I'm going to use for one year and be productive than go ahead and spend 10 years just crazy and see no fruit in my life. Jesus also prayed while doing things. Jesus' primary mission was to die for our sins. While he was on the cross, doing what he was born to do, Jesus on the cross, the most important task he was supposed to be doing was to die for us. And during that time, he was praying. Ah, we say we can't pray because we are busy doing what? You know, it's very important. God, Jesus was praying on the cross. He was not distracted by pain. He was not distracted by noise. He prayed on the cross. Luke chapter 23, 34. Then he said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. When his enemies were mocking him, he was praying for them. Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he felt the presence of God, he prayed. When he did not feel the presence of God, he prayed. There was no excuse not to pray. Luke 23, 46, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. He was so committed to praying that his last word was a prayer. So let's talk about the last thing I want to talk mention tonight. The power of routine. Humans are routine beings. We eat, we walk, we sleep, and do many things by routine. The body functions by routine. For example, breathing is by a routine operation of the lungs. If the routine of the heart stops, we are gone. The question is not if you have routine or not. The crucial thing is whether you, your life functions on the right or wrong routines. The wise person will, will establish correct habits in their life and maintain them. So the best of these routines is the one carried out by Jesus, our supreme example. Jesus established a routine for prayer in the morning and in evening. Apostles prayed by routine every day by routine. Acts chapter 2 verse 46 Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. As they, as, uh, they ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. When? Every day. 
Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John were doing were going up together to the temple, to the temple complex at the hour of prayer. When? The hour of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. There was a time known as the hour of prayer. And John and Peter were faithful to go there every day because it was the time of prayer established to pray. There is nothing supernatural about prayer that other people have that you don't have. We all have it. It's called will, choice. You have it. 3 p.m. was known as the hour of prayer. Peter and John did not want to miss it, as the Bible say. They carried a routine to go to the temple and pray every day at 3 p.m. Followers of Jesus who take God seriously must establish a prayer routine in their lives. It doesn't happen by chance. We must be intentional about prayer and carry out some routine. In our lives. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray constantly. Other version says, pray continually or without ceasing. Okay, if praying continually means the former audible prayer, so you must be talking and saying something, then this imperative would have been impossible to carry out. Jesus and the apostles, including Paul, demonstrated their dependence on God through prayer routines. Praying without ceasing means not missing your prayer appointment. You establish, you schedule prayer in your life. And then you don't miss those moments. That is prayer, prayer without ceasing. Smart people prioritize their schedules. Wise people schedule their priorities. It means adding prayer to your daily plan and stick to the plan. If you are a beginner, in the world of prayer, schedule 15 minutes before leaving your bedroom. Then in the evening, take five minutes before going to bed. And if you've been a Christian for long, you know that these 15 minutes will grow. So if 10 years ago, you were praying 15 minutes in the morning, and today you are still praying 15 and sometimes 10 and sometimes 5 in the morning, you are not growing. Just imagine how, how many arguments you will avoid if you will spend 15 minutes in the morning praying for every individual you are going to meet in your day. That's the kind of church I am dreaming of where we pray for each other. That's the kind of home I'm dreaming of where we pray for each other. I pray for my children. They pray for me. I pray for my wife. She prays for me. That's the kind of environment we want to create. The kind of office I would love to work in where people pray for each other. It is possible and it starts with you.